Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. Team practices have officially begun and we've got your updates on the state of the team along with everything you need to know about the official release of the Thunder's schedule. Plus, we're diving into the Thunder Care side of the universe today. We're talking with Christine Burney, the Thunder's Vice President of Community Relations, to discuss why year 13 of the Thunder's annual holiday assist means more now than ever before. Let's get to it. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. Well, we're recording this on Monday, December 7th, which means multiple things. One, the Thunder has completed one full week of training camp. Two, the team has begun group practices rather than individual workouts. And three, this also means that the squad is only five days away from its first preseason game of the year against San Antonio on Saturday. Gallo, don't blink because we'll be halfway through the season before you know it. Yeah, got to keep your head on a swivel around here. This training camp has definitely come in flying hot. It is true the the team is just now kind of getting those group workouts together after doing so many individual workouts. I know some of the guys are obviously so grateful for the fact that they can actually be on the court in five on five, and they were ready to get after one another uh, on the court as opposed to just going one on zero with a coach. So I, I think this work this week has been great because of the work that they've been able to put in. The other good news is that the first half of the Thunder's schedule has also been released, which includes the Thunder's first 37 matchups of a very unique season. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But first, I mean, we've been able, like you said, Nick, to be able to talk to multiple players over the course of this first week of this training camp. And they've offered us a good picture about the mentality and kind of the the state of this team right now and how they're approaching this training camp leading into their first preseason game. Yeah, Coach Mark Dagnall in his first season has really kind of laid out the the foundation of uh, gratitude, hard work, not skipping any steps in the development process, and not allowing the restrictions that are necessary and, and vital to ensure everybody's health and safety because of COVID, not allowing those to deter them from those goals of continued development, improvement, growth, all those types of things. And it's been great to hear from the players that everybody's kind of on that same line. You know, we hear from SGA, from Darius Baisley, and from Hamadou Diallo, the guys that have have returned, Mike Muscala, and then some of the newcomers too. We've we've talked to George Hill, we've talked to Frank Jackson, a handful of others, and and they're all kind of in that same wavelength that uh, their head coach has been talking about. Yeah, I've been really interested to hear some of these first impressions from these new guys. We heard from George Hill, who has had a couple of touch points over his, you know, career in the NBA uh, with this organization and with Sam Presti of understanding what the culture of this organization is and knowing coming into it, even after, you know, a short time being here, what's going to be required of him and his fellow teammates throughout this entire preseason and going into the season as well. It's the showing up to work every day, like you mentioned. It's making sure that you are putting the team first in everything that you do and doing whatever it takes. That's, a, that's another common thread that we've heard from all of these guys is they're just willing to do whatever is asked of them in this organization, on the floor, off the floor, whatever is required of them they're willing to bring. And Mark Dagnall talked about the fact that a lot of these guys are making their first impressions on the Thunder organization. I think a lot of times when new players come into the Thunder program, we often wonder what do they think about the team? This is also a chance for them to let the team know what what they're about as well. And all of those things that you mentioned, Paris, being on time, 
being really invested, being attentive and focused and curious. Mark and, and some of the other people that have been with the Thunder program a little bit longer have said all of these newcomers from a rookie like Alexei Pokashevsky to a Ty Jerome have all had that same type of mentality that you just love going to work with those guys every day. And I'm sure it's really great for these guys to be able to get out on the floor in a five-on-five setting, not just for the guys I mentioned, you know, one-on-one workouts get really old over a course of, you know, months on end, but for the coaching staff as well to be able to kind of evaluate where these players can grow and expand their games over this season. Yeah, coaches are definitely getting a baseline that's not necessarily indicative of where the players are going to end up necessarily, but it just gives the development team here at the Thunder a starting point from which to work off of. And you're also just getting these guys into the program. And as Hamadou Diallo said, uh, SGA said, this whole week leading up into the first preseason game is just about that chemistry with the group on the floor get these guys out there, get them getting a feel for one another, finding out one another's tendencies. And then, you know, then you're trying to string together that effort, that energy, that execution for 48 minutes as they get closer and closer to Saturday. Mark your calendars, folks, because we officially have basketball games on the schedule. Nick and I are going to give you a little bit of a rundown of everything you need to know by the numbers of this first half of the schedule, which is a perfect transition into the first number that stands out about the schedule, and that's 37, which is the number of games on the calendar. As we all know, this year is very unique in terms of logistics and scheduling due to the coronavirus. So the teams have only received games from December through the first week of March, and the second half of the schedule will be released in the latter part of the first half of the schedule. Uh, The second number that sticks out is that there are seven back-to-backs in this first half of the schedule, along with four series games against the same opponent in which the Thunder will play the same team back-to-back, maybe not on back-to-back nights, but not with another game in between. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you know, 37 out of the 72 total games that will happen this season have been announced. All 37 of those games, Paris, you and I, Michael Cage, Chris Fisher, we'll have those for you on Fox Sports Oklahoma. Matt Pinto, of course, will have them all on the radio for you, WWLS Sports Animal and the Thunder Radio Network. But as you said, Paris, this schedule is getting started at a different time of year than we're used to. It's We're only getting part of the schedule at this point. There's only 72 games. And much like the 2011-2012 the season, the year is actually starting right around Christmas. And that is with a road game against the Houston Rockets on the 23rd. That's right. And that's one of only five games in December before getting into a jam-packed January, just like previous years, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, but January is usually a gauntlet of games. So there at least is a little bit of normalcy there. Yeah, that's January is usually the, the grueling month, and, and it's no different this year. Two five-game road trips in January for the Thunder, one to the East Coast, one to the West Coast. There's a four-game homestand in between that for the Thunder to rest, catch their breath, have some home cooking, and then get back out on the road again. And just to ping-pong back to December, you have the Thunder's annual tradition of New Year's Eve inside Chesapeake Energy Arena. Obviously, look a little bit different this year with no fans in the building, but that tradition stays alive for the Thunder. There's at least a little bit of normalcy we can hold on to in this schedule as well. 
going into February, Nick, it's still 15 games, but this time instead of 10 road games, there are now 10 home games. So the Thunder will have a nice opportunity to play on their home floor for quite some time in February. I've never been a part of a, an NBA schedule where there's 15 games in February. Usually that's when the all-star break is that all-star break has been pushed back a little bit this year. And so we're going to get a, a much busier February than in years past. And as you mentioned, being able to be home for some of these stretches is really nice. In fact, that five game homestand that starts January 29th through February 6th. And that includes a home home back to back with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And that's one of those series that you mentioned where a team is going to come into Oklahoma city, stay here, or the thunder is going to go to a road city and stay there for a pair of games. You know, I was just thinking to myself, it, it sounds nice. Jam-packed January and then filled up February. I think that, that, that just works for this year. <laughs> Before leading into March, where as of right now, the Thunder only has two games scheduled. It's a back-to-back on the third and the fourth away against Dallas and then San Antonio. That's where the schedule ends as of right now, but that's, there are likely to be many more games in March as well. And just be sure to go to OKCThunder.com, check out all the at OKCThunder social channels and find out the schedule uh, for yourselves and, and see where all the times are, dates, locations, and definitely check out the, the fun Thunder uh, schedule video that we put out on OKC Thunder uh, social channels. That was a good time. It is certainly must-see TV, if you ask me. We are now joined by Christine Burney, Vice President of Community Relations for the Thunder, AKA the Queen of CR, and a key role player in the Thunder's annual holiday assist efforts alongside a superstar staff in her department in community relations. Bernie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Paris. This is awesome. And Bernie, for our listeners, um, we've mentioned Holiday Assist before, but can you kind of help us understand a little bit of what Holiday Assist is for this Thunder organization? Sure. Um, Holiday Assist for for us, for the Thunder, it's a a tradition. It's a longstanding tradition, something that we kick off every holiday season. So it really spans a number of months from early November till the end of December encompassing all of the holidays therein. And we just try, even though we're, we're working every day to, to give back and to, to um, you know, be good stewards and good leaders in the community during the holidays, it just sort of rises to a whole, whole nother level of, you know, of events and activities and donations. So it's really the time of year when we kind of go a little nuts with things. Um, and we're good as, a, as an organization of really thundering things up. And, and that's for sure what we get to do in the holidays. It, it's kind of like community relations playoffs. Right, it Bernie? is. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I'm using that from now on, Gallo. <laughs> well, you know, over the years, Christine, I've just been really fortunate to attend so many of these events that you all have put on. Um, and I know I have some of my favorites, but I want to hear from you. What are some of the the events that you would typically have in a a normal holiday assist program in a year not marked by COVID that really stand out to you as maybe your favorite and the most impactful in our OKC community? Gosh, it's it's hard. It's really hard to pick favorites. I mean, we, my mind goes to starting in um, 
in November, um, we've worked with Positive Tomorrows, uh, Oklahoma's only school for homeless children and their families, worked with them for many, many years. And we've been fortunate in the last couple of years to be able to bring players to Thunder players to the school for their, their big Thanksgiving feast. And we basically just turned it into a carnival. Um, so when we get a chance to just like completely take over when the organization that, that we're working with is like, sure, come on in. We have the best of times and we've done that with positive tomorrows and, and everybody just has a great time. I mean, the, the pictures of players and kids having fun is you, you can't beat it. I think the other thing that was a long-standing tradition as well is that shopping sprees that we've done throughout the years. Again, the, that kind of all-team environment where you're we're pairing up kids and players and setting them loose in the toy aisle. And it's, it's mayhem, but it's, it's just super fun. You alluded to it a little bit, but the difference in last year and this year, obviously you have COVID protocols that you have to adhere to and and different things that you have to take account of this season. How different has the preparation looked for you guys this season than years before? It this year in all of the, the COVID crisis that we're in, honestly, has looked very different. We've, we've had to get in, and I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned the all-star CR team because they really are. We've had to really get creative in, in working with how to host 800 people at a Thanksgiving dinner without actually being able to feed them dinner or be indoors. So we've really kind of turned things inside out for the most part. And we've had a lot of help along the way. Our, our friends in the um, events and entertainment department here at the Thunder have just been absolutely working hand in hand with us. They kind of came up with the idea in the first place of the, these kind of drive-through events with the uh, reverse Thunder Alley, as they were calling it, way back in the, the playoffs, whenever that was. <laughs> and and we thought, well, w- uh, that could work for what we're doing with the holidays. And so we turned just about everything into a drive-through and thundered it all up. You know, you, you came in kind of like a car wash, although really not a car wash, a lot more fun than a car wash, but um, you know, you drove in through one thunder arch and you picked up things and there was rumble and thunder girls and drummers and you got a turkey and your bag of groceries from Homeland and you drove out the other end. And so it, it, we've just tried to sort of keep the spirit as much as we can when it's appropriate, because honestly, sometimes that is not appropriate. There were events and actually I kind of got that wrong because the event that we did with Homeland was very pared down. We did have rumble because we can't do a holiday event without rumble. But that particular event, the turkey giveaway, was in the middle of the mayor's pleading with Oklahoma City to really just dial it down. And so, you know, we were thinking, well, the last thing we want to do is have a big block party when the mayor is asking everybody to, to cool it. But there are also still those 400 families that were needing help with their Thanksgiving meal. And so we were able to just to do that on a very kind of low key way, but still add some fun with some thunder giveaways and, and rumble on the top of his van and, and things like that. But philosophically, how did you approach this time 
knowing that there are families that are hurting more than ever yeah. and desperately need help in our communities. And yet there's, in some ways there's danger in creating events and in getting out there and touching people and in being in their spaces. So how did you guys, as you went into your playoff season, decide how you were going to approach all of these things? We, we really took the COVID health and safety guidelines were first and foremost in the creation of, of all of these events. Um, Everybody had masks on. There was social distancing. There was tons of hand sanitizer. There was not face, you know, standing and hugging and, you know, eating dinner at a table. It was having a box of pre-prepared Thanksgiving dinner at the Boys and Girls Club that went to the family that was coming through in their car and we loaded it into their trunk. So we just, you know, yes, we would have absolutely preferred to have a big bash in the gym like we've done in years past. But like you just said, Nick, I mean, the, the need is even more than ever this year. And so we, we had to figure out a way to do it. And we also worked really closely as we always do with our community partners and kind of took their guidance in terms of how much quote unquote fun it needed to be for something like the turkey giveaway for example we really played that down because it was not a time to to have a huge party in in the middle of a lockdown for the boys and girls club that was a little bit different they actually asked us to throw them a party to thunder it up because they really felt that their families and the kids need and their staff honestly needed some fun. They needed something for, you know, the, the 10 minutes that they were waiting in line to, to just have a good time and, and help try to take their mind off of things and get a Thanksgiving meal. So just working with the relationships that we have and that we've had over the years with all of our community partners to find that balance and always, always with the health and safety of COVID in mind. And even though you guys did have so much to navigate this year, you were still able to do a lot, especially leading up to Thanksgiving. You mentioned you mentioned Boys and Girls Club. You also had an event at Restoro KC with the 400 turkey dinners that you were able to give away. And you still were able to do a lot at Positive Tomorrows um, in terms of handing out Thanksgiving dinners to people who might not have had one otherwise. I remember speaking to a woman at Positive Tomorrows who was eating dinner in her very own home with her family for the very first time. So in a lot of ways, Christine, this year 13 is probably the most important year of Holiday Assist yet. That's kind of how we approached it, honestly. I mean, we've been very aware because that's the work that we do is really having our ear to the ground of the community's needs. And from the beginning of COVID, you know, especially food insecurity, that has been such a huge, huge thing um, that is just not going away. I mean, people are losing jobs. It's just a very unstable environment. And a lot of families honestly, who are not, have never been in that position before are finding themselves in those positions. So we're very, very happy that we could do what we could do. And, and we have more to come in, in December. It's not over yet, (laughs) but you know, we've just, it's, it's been a really heartwarming time for those of us, I think, who are, who are working these events as well, just to 
be there with people six feet away, of course, but just to have a little, a little together time. Awesome. Bernie, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us today. We look forward to seeing everything else that the Thunder is doing during this holiday assist season in probably the most important season yet. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. That's all for today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much to our producer. And until next time, Thunder Up and catch you later.